They are going crazy. Welcome to the eighth night of the Touchdown 2020 NFL Draft Show. On last night's show, Dan chatted to Mark Schofield about all things quarterback as well as some potential surprises in this year's draft. Tonight, we get back to our positional breakdowns as we discuss the tight end position. Over the last week, we have covered six positions, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, cornerback and safety. If you have missed any of our previous shows and would like to catch up with them, then you can find them on the site at thetouchdown.co.uk, as well as at our Twitter feed at thetouchdownNFL. Finally, if podcasts are more your thing, then you can find an audio version of the show on the Touchdown feed at all major podcast providers. Now let's get into tonight's show and dig into the tight end position. Back to help us do just that is the excellent Rebecca Rennie, who has produced comprehensive scouting reports on many of the small school prospects, shining some light on some extremely talented players that may not be on everybody's radar. How are you doing today, Bex? Doing good, thanks. Good to be back. This is an interesting position to discuss, so ready to go again? Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting to know a bit more about some of the names deeper on this list. Also back behind the microphone for the first time since last Saturday is our fantastic producer and head of analytics, Alex Chinnery. Oh, glad to be uh, back on a show, finally. A um, little bit less worried about my laptop blowing up at the minute, so um, you know, hopefully I can actually contribute something on this end for once. Looking forward to it, Alex. Great to have you back. It was really good fun last week. Compared to some of the other groups we have covered, the tight end position may seem somewhat underwhelming. However, that does not mean there are not talented players at the position. And I want to dive straight in and ask you who you have number one at the position, Bex, and what you have seen about them that you like on their tape. Yeah, there's um, obviously varying opinions on with a, with a group like this. Not everyone has a consensus. Um, and there's no, there's very, very unlikely to be a day one first round draft pick at this position, tight end, but there's potential on day two. Um, my top tight end, not entirely just because, well, not because he's um, a small school guy, but it's just the way it's worked out. But Adam Troutman of Dayton is a small school tight end who is sitting at the top of my board, but just with a borderline second to third round grade. Uh, so he's sitting at the top of my, my list. This is an ascending player who has some rawness in his game, who's improving throughout college, but um, he's still he's still getting better, which is why we can't go too high on a grade with him. He's a converted quarterback who's still developing. There's a lot of already in place in his game to like with further upside, and he showed a lot of what he can do at the Senior Bowl. So he's, he's sitting top of my list, and I can go into more detail about what I like about him when you like. Yeah, go for it. Um, and then we'll ask Alex about who he likes at the top as well. No problem. Yep. Um, so Troutman... He may not have blazed through his dash time at the Combine, um, but he's still a smooth, athletic mover on film, even taking into relative account that he's going against lesser athletes at the small school level. He's got a really good frame, even though he's not um, your Gronkowski-type frame or anything like that. But um, what contributes to his appeal is his ability to provide a complete game, which not a lot of the prospects in this class do. He's got... um, a lot to like as a receiver primarily, but he's also an aggressive blocker. And as and when he tightens up his technique, I think he'll be a very, very good contributor in that area as well. Um, so many are flawed as blockers. And while Troutman can sharpen that technique, I just love how he relishes the unglamorous aspects of the position, getting stuck in in the trenches. But his, his value, prim, primary value comes through being a receiver. His routes could sharpen up. He's a little inefficient with his footwork when he makes his breaks. And he is a little bit green in his spatial awareness and how he works through traffic over the middle of the field. But all that said, he's got fantastic hands, very natural at the catch point. He uses his frame really well to position himself and box out cornerbacks. And he high, point, high points so effectively. He's about 6'5", 255, so he's got good size, long arms. Um, and I think he's very much worthy of being in consideration to being that first tight end off the board. Absolutely. When you've got a class like this, it allows somebody who's got more potential to really stand out. And I think that's a great trait to have is that ability to develop further once you get into the league. Have Also to have that knowledge as a former quarterback of um, how that position operates and just the understanding that comes with that is so important for these guys. 
I really think it helps someone as they're developing into the league. It gives them a chance to grasp hold of playbooks quicker because they're used to studying deeply into the playbook if, if they've run that quarterback position in the past. He's a name I'm really excited about. I've read a lot of what you've wrote about him and it's really sort of driven me to look at him more. And he's, he's a guy that I'd be very interested to see on a lot of rosters and somebody who, if he can find himself in as a tight end two or three this year, could develop into a really strong tight end one over the next couple of years. Alex, I know you're high on Troutman as well, but do you have any other names that's in contention for the top spot? Yeah, I mean, this this group's really a, a group that has a lot of these sort of move tight ends that don't do a lot of blocking. Really sort of this hybrid half half wide receiver, half tight end, H-back style player. And a, a guy along those lines that I quite like is Harrison Bryant out of FAU. He's, a, he's good at moving, he's a good route runner, he's got really, really good hands. If you throw that ball into his catch radius, he's probably coming down with it. And he can be that safety blanket for your quarterback. So I think these, some of these teams with a young quarterback who are looking for a guy that can just sort of get open with an accurate throw, will, will catch it every time, can be that safety blanket option, sort of pick you up 9, 10 yards in a West Coast-style offense. He's the kind of guy that could, can be that. He's not a blocker. He's not going to be a guy that stands there with his hand in the dirt and, and blocks for you. It's not what he does well. And anyone that uses him in that way is going to get not going to get good results. You think of the way that Jimmy Graham's been used over his career when he's really seen success. He hasn't really had to block much. And, you know, as, he's, as his athletic skills have waned, he's tried to block more. And, and teams have tried to use him blocking more, but it hasn't worked. I, mean, I look at the Packers for that example over the past few years. I think that, that Bryant's a, a good player. He moves, I say, he moves well. He catches well. He's he's a solid option. But I'm like Bex. I've got no one above a day th- uh, around three grade for these tight ends. I just I don't really believe in the position. I think Troutman's probably the most complete player there. If you want a guy to come in and be a future tight end one, I think he's the guy in this class. But yeah, other than that, I'm not a massive fan of Cole Komet. I don't I don't really believe in his in his explosiveness and his athleticism. He's certainly not an amazing blocker either. I d I don't really see where the hype from for him has come because he didn't he hasn't wowed me. I've never I've never watched Notre Dame over the past few years and gone, wow, Cole Komet and you know, I look at so many other guys at other positions and I watch them and, and I think at least you know once or twice a season and I, I watch quite a lot of college football but at least once or twice a season you're, th- you're thinking bam that guy stood out and it, you know, even even you look at LSU and the, the great um, the great cast they've had you look at someone like Thaddeus Moss who for me is a, a day three pick but there were still times over the course of the season where you thought wow that's a great catch, or that was great rack ability. I just didn't really have that with Komet over the course of the season. So for me, it's it's Harrison Bryant up there, Adam Troutman up there, and then a, a big drop off from those two. And you know, those two have only got third round grades for me. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. Um, just to build on a couple of things you say about Harrison Bryant, he's right there up with Troutman. He's my number two, but they're very, very closely graded. Um, I, I agree with you for the most part. And just a couple extra points that I thought that held him back slightly. He's got a good, an okay size frame, but he's a little bit smaller and slighter. And what often doesn't get missed when you read just a height and weight, he's actually got quite short arms as well. So he doesn't quite have that length and uh, ability to high point over some of the, some of these big bodied guys that you get at the position. But my biggest concern with him and just slightly holds him back is the fact that when it comes to catching through traffic, whenever I saw him, struggle to secure a pass um, it's off he seems to get his focus bro- broken when he's under tight coverage and he's um getting dis- he's under a contested situation at the catch point he's far too often fails to secure the ball when he's when he's got a guy draped over him and that's the that's the slight concern that holds me back on him but as you say he's a great athlete and he will separate and you don't get a lot of tight ends who are athletic enough especially in this class who can separate so he will gain a step on on a guy and get open and uh, probably get a lot of receptions. But just when he does have to battle through a, through a physical cornerback or safety, doesn't come up with the ball quite as much as I like. So that's that's my concern on him. But I agree that he's right up there with Troutman. As, and those are, for me as well, the top two names of the position. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like both of those two names. I get very confused sometimes with, with 
a combination of Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant, and Bryson Hopkins. That's far too many people with the initials of B and H in one draft class at the same position for me. And I, I find myself reading about people uh, saying, talking about one of them on, on social media somewhere, and then I have to do a double take which one they're talking about to work it out. It's, it's all very, very confusing. But before we move on to those guys and dig into Hopkins and um, Hunter Bryant a little bit more, just wanted to mention with Cole Komet, you, you talked about how, how raw he is. Prior to 2019, he only had 17 receptions in college football, two in his first season at Notre Dame and um, 15 in his second season. And that's because he was a, signed up as a dual sport athlete and actually did a lot of baseball for Notre Dame. So that's definitely interesting. There's another famous, uh, there's a few other famous dual sport athletes out of Notre Dame, actually. Jeff Samaja is one of them who was a football player, but I believe that he chose to, he has chosen to go down the baseball route in the end. So it's definitely something that they seem to pride themselves in that college. And it's something that's interesting to watch for a guy that came out of nowhere to catch six touchdowns. But I agree with you. It's a big risk to invest in him any higher than probably to go any higher than day three, really, because there's so much unknown about what he's going to bring to the position just in general across the board. So I'm completely with you. I like Adam Troutman the best. After that, I'm really indifferent to these guys. And I would, if I'm picking for a team, I would generally just be waiting until day three and having a big group of them circled and trying to find the one that was left to provide the value that I liked for my offense. So I said we were going to talk about Bryson Hopkins and Hunter Bryant, both of whom Cy has a day two grade on in his rankings. What do you see about them two, Alex? And which one do you like the best? Yeah, I mean... It's it's a tough one. So for for Bryson Hopkins, you know, he's a guy that is another one of these move tight ends. And I look at him and I think there are three or four players that do the same thing you do better than you do in this class. And I think when you when you look at these move tight end style players, you have to factor in someone like Chase Claypool, you know, who's who's that big end of the wide receiver spectrum, and for me is a better athlete than some of these tight ends and and other guys that are in that are there and thereabouts so when when you take that into account i just i can't see these guys being value on day two i just i, I don't I, I like hunter bryant i think he, he does um some decent things there at washington were was he in an offense that really catered to what he does well i don't think so yeah, you know, I think he's the he's the kind of guy. He's another one of these guys where you look at what Evan Ingram's done on the Giants, and he's been okay. And I think that's because they haven't necessarily used him all that well. And I think if if Hunter Bryant goes somewhere that uses him well, then he's got potential to be a good player in in the NFL. Yeah, they're both they're both interesting without being fascinating. I agree with you. Do you have anything to add on either of those backs? Yeah, particularly on Hunter Bryant, who I have a little bit ahead of Bryce Hopkins, and I've got a different order on some of these guys in general. But um, I think Hunter Bryant's—he's sitting at my tight end five as a mid fourth round grade. Is where I've got him, and I find him a, one of the more intriguing prospects in this tight end group. Um, as um, Alex was kind of alluding to, he's—he's he's not your standard kind of build of tight end. He's only six foot two he's a bulk he's almost a bulkier wide receiver um he also added weight for the combine but we the kind of general thinking is that he played a little bit lighter um more, more in the 230 range than the 245 that he, he measured in at and he also tested a little slower we don't know if that's just the added weight but on film i don't think he's that explosive anyway he's just um he, he's a smooth athlete with great footwork, and I think that's one of the best parts of his game. There's no wasted motion. He's very savvy in how he executes as a receiver, and that stands out in his film. So I find him quite intriguing in that respect. His game film is full of examples of him bringing in some difficult catches, like over the back shoulder type coverage. He's adjusting to the ball in the air uh, when it's off target, able to catch outside his frame. He's He's got an unconventional sort of combination of his size, traits, and sort of skills, and I'm not sure quite where he truly values with his unusual build, etc. But I certainly think he's got the potential to be a useful contributor on a roster, just with his receiving ability. He's a very—he's not an—he's not an asset as an inline blocker. He's obviously very limited there, but there's no lack of effort. And 
I do like his physicality when it comes to how he runs after the after the catch with the ball in his hands. He really does uh, lower his shoulder and he'll take on contact very well. So I think he provides quite a lot of useful useful abilities that won't be a true like tight end number one, but you'll have a role to play. So I do like him in the early part of day three. He's the one that stands out out in those names to me. Okay, so you you put him at five. You talked about Troutman at one, Harrison Bryant at yep. two, and Cole Komet at three. So who have you got at number four then? Yeah, it's a guy who's kind of been a little bit under the radar in terms of some of the people who are maybe a bit more casual in terms of the, finding out the names of these guys. He's kind of been a a late he's kind of been a late um, sort of name to come to the fore. Um, a bit under the radar. This is uh, Devin Asiasi from UCLA, who's sitting my number four. Again, fourth round grade. I'm not exactly overly enamoured with him, but he's he's sort of that early day three range that I think he can be a useful useful addition. He's a transfer from Michigan, and he also sat out a year, and then he also missed some time um, early. I think it was 2018 um, with some a suspension. So there's some concerns about maturity I think um, that has been raised so he's only got one season starting in college in 2019 and that contributes him to being under the radar but even though he's not the tallest at six foot three he's so stoutly built for his frame with long arms and he's one of the more physical guys in this class which too many of these names don't really have about their game he's got a sturdy base and powerful legs and he maximizes that with his aggressive intent in terms of how he executes he drives well as a blocker does all the dirty work in line um and then when it comes to him as a receiver he's he's a dynamic he's not a dynamic athlete but he's smooth he runs good routes he's another one with good footwork and uh he he's very reliable at the catch point so he's not the highest ceiling guy but he's got a well-rounded skill set contributes as a blocker and receiver well built for the pros and i think he's a very very solid mid-round pickup so in a class like this where there's not many standout names it allows him to sit as high as number four on my on my board for the this position. And yeah, he could go he could go ahead of some bigger names among these tight ends. Yeah, he sounds like a really interesting guy just in terms of perhaps if you're following from the UK like all of us are, it's somebody that you have to kind of go and root out a little bit more because UCLA often play in the very late slot, which means you have to go and sort of catch up on their games the next morning unless you're you're staying up through the night. And so it's easily a guy that that has flown under the radar for a lot of people. And obviously in America, that's going to be completely different and he might be higher up draft boards, but I completely agree with you. I've seen some guys not even consider him worthy of a, of a top of a big board. And I've seen others that have put him around. Um, they're a hundred marks. So right about where you have him at that sort of start of day three potential. So that's really interesting that that's a guy you picked out in your top five. Alex, have we, gone over everybody in your top five could you just run through it if you have a structured top five for us to compare so i don't actually have a structured top five i do mine slightly differently when i sort of pull together um position groups i sort of assign them to to tiers and one guy who i have slightly higher than than bex mainly just because i like the way he played uh, it's not a traits based projection i just i like his production i like the way he played in in the offense and that's Thaddeus Moss. And I think he, he definitely benefited from not from having the stars around him. So he had, they had so many good receivers there at LSU and he was in there and he sort of snuck under the radar a little bit in their offense and had a really, really good back end of the season with Joe Burrow. And, you know, he's another guy who's only a one year starter and there are some of the traits don't look great at an NFL level. He's not a brilliant blocker. If you know, his blocking ability is not that great at all. But I think he can be that sort of reliable guy again. I, I, I'm really down on this class. I, I, there are so many questions to be asked through the whole group. You know, the big names coming into to the year uh, didn't didn't pan out at all. Albert O from Missouri, you know, transfer quarterback there didn't have a good year. They just didn't get on the same page. Now, you know, was a guy that was talked about as a sort of second round pick last year if he came out, went back to school and completely it went, it all went wrong for him in his senior year. You know, you look at Colby Parkinson from Stanford who coming into the year was another one that people had high in their sort of position rankings and, and the quarterback there, KJ Costello, went down injured early on in the season and the backup play was atrocious. 
And so he hasn't really stood out. Um, Hunter Bryant, again, Washington, transfer quarterback again. Jacob Eason didn't have a great year by college standards, didn't really fit or couldn't pick up that Chris Peterson offense that quickly. There's so many question marks about these players. And one or two of them are going to break out and have good careers. You know, they're going to have solid careers. But I, I can't project, apart from probably Troutman as a potential tight end one, it's really hard to nail my colours to the mast for these guys and say, there's a future tight end one. You know, even if it's going to take him two or three years, he's going to develop into that player because even we haven't seen enough of them. There are massive question marks about their size, about their play style, about their blocking ability, about their about some of the traits in their game. Or they they've had, you know, really poor quarterback play in college and they're a really tough evaluation because of it. And so from from that point of view, I just I really struggled with this tight end class in terms of where I'm ranking them and, and how I'm ranking them. It's the, the position that I have I have the least clarity over rankings on. Yeah, I want to pick up on a player you talked about there in terms of Albert O, because he is really a guy that has, to somewhat, <laughs> some extent, polarised opinions, because he is a guy that slid down draft boards. However, he does have 23 touchdown catches in three seasons as a as a player in college, and that is fairly impressive so it's worth noting he averages 12.1 yards per catch and has 98 receptions so he's he's a solid player maybe you're right he had a fall off in the last year but then he really blew a lot of people away who maybe didn't know him so well at the combine when he ran an impressive 4.49 40 yard dash so that's been graded as elite he didn't actually um compete or take part in a lot of the other testing so he hasn't got a RAS score for us to compare him to the other tight ends at the position but in terms of speed just the simple fact that he ran so fast all of a sudden you saw him start to jump back up some draft boards a little bit because people who weren't so familiar with his everyday output all of a sudden had this guy right in front of their face and everybody was kind of buzzing about him coming out of the combine but I know for a fact, Bex, I'm looking at your rankings right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. You are really low on him. So I'm really I will interested. gladly expand on him if you like. So I'm really interested to hear. <laughs> yeah. So Albert Oquibanum, uh, for the full name, uh, he's from Missouri. And um, he's going to be high on some lists, on many lists, actually. And the fact that neither myself or Alex have put him high up will um, maybe raise some eyebrows with some who know his name but there's a lot of reasons why he doesn't grade highly for me. And in fact, I couldn't even go as far as give him a draftable grade. And that is just personal, <laughs> personal opinion there. He will get drafted. He will probably go ahead. A lot of the names we've talked about. The reason he's so appealing to some is we've got an impressive frame, bulk length. He's got, he looks the part. This is a guy who's six foot six, roughly maybe six foot five and a half. 260 pounds, huge hands, long arms, longer than many offensive linemen. He, 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 the measurables are all there. And then obviously, as you mentioned, he opened the eyes at the combine with a straight line speed running under 4.5. That combination of size and speed is going to appeal to a lot of people who take on those measurables as um, projectable. And there are times he's able to use his big frame to his advantage and is capable of being a difficult to stop target, particularly on jump balls. You mentioned the 23 touchdowns over his three years. That's, I mean, that's uh, that's something that you can contribute. He's, he's a red zone threat right from his first retro freshman season, which is where he bounced on the scene. He had 11 touchdowns that year. And I can see him continuing to be a useful target in the end zone and put up touchdown numbers in the pros as well, which will have its value. However, the speed that he showed at the Combine that's one thing, but he is so massively underwhelming on film. Unfortunately, he just does not play up to this, his size. He does not play up to his apparent athletic capabilities. He's so lethargic on film in how he moves. Low energy, undynamic, completely lacking in burst and short area quickness in his change of direction as he breaks his routes. He does nothing to make covering corners and linebackers um, think twice or flat foot. or There's nothing selling his routes. 
And then you add in he's unreliable with his hands and ball security. He just doesn't play up to his potential or skill set. And it's just not that I would say anything without knowing him or anything about him personally, but it's such an extent to which he doesn't live up to his abilities that it concerns you about his kind of effort level and how much work he's putting in. He hasn't progressed in his, since that redshirt freshman season that I mentioned. The last two seasons, nothing's, nothing's improved. You mentioned the, the change in quarterback, but regardless, the way he's performing, he, he's a, one of the most underperforming players in his draft class when it comes to potential and skill set versus actual execution and what he's put on film. The idea of him rising up draft boards based on that one run at the combine in one drill seems absolutely crazy to me when the film is so far removed from reflecting that speed or any other redeemable trait in terms of what he puts on film. So personally, not not for me. And uh, he will probably go third or fourth round. I personally, I, I just don't see it at all with him. Yeah, I mean, his, his route running is just so poor. Oh, it's awful, yeah. Like uh, you, you can only really bring him in to run seam routes in the NFL, and you can't be a, a sixth or seventh round pick even if you're just going to do that. You, you, he, he's a straight line guy in a league where running straight lines will just get you covered because you're going up against elite athletes. Yeah, you know, almost every single player that plays defense in the NFL is an elite athlete in some way. The guys that are covering are incredible athletes. You know, these guys that are brought in now to cover tight ends are insane with their abilities to change direction, their speed. You know, even a lot of them are big guys as well, and they can jump well, and they can get up, and they can sort of contest these catches. You know, I, I don't see what the fascination is with him. And as you you say, the lethargicness on tape is something that's a real concern for me because you, you've got a guy like Kelly Bryant went into Mizzou this year and took over their job as a starting quarterback. And by all in, by all accounts, Kelly Bryant is a fantastic person. Yeah, you know, he's he's a leader in the locker room, and came from that Clemson team that you know he he played really well that year, the year at Clemson between Deshaun Watson and prior to Trevor Lawrence taking over. And you know, Kelly Bryant played really well. He had a really really good year. He's he's a really good college quarterback. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback, but he's a really good college quarterback who can win games based on the way he plays and some of that's throwing the football a lot of it's running the football but you know if the throws are there and they're open he will make them but as i say he's a good leader and he can inspire the rest of his team but for someone to be have a leader like that on the team and play so lethargically on tape is a massive red flag for me yeah because if you can't be if you can't get yourself up to play at your speed at your top speed in college how am I going to expect you to do it in the NFL if you're on a losing team? Yeah, I, it's a massive thing, and it's something you can pick out on tape from these guys, and you know it can get you, it can be make or break because if you if you're willing to grind away all the time, even when you're losing, even when your team's not playing well, it can make the difference when things turn your way because in the NFL your teams are so close. You know, you're probably you're only sort of six good weeks away from making it into the playoffs at any one point in the season. You're only a season away from being a contender. And if you're not willing to to fight when the chips are down, as it seems like Albert O was this season with, with Mizzou, obviously they had a postseason ban, they couldn't go to a bowl game, so some of that squad did check out on the coach this year, and I think Albert O was one of them. I, I can't I can't draft someone like that. Me personally, I can't give him a draftable grade. Now, obviously, I wasn't there. I wasn't involved in that team's locker room. I have absolutely no idea if what I'm reading from the tape, from the the lethargic nature of his play, is true. So you've got to preface it with that. But I can only go on... We can only go on what we see for our evaluation. And that's what I saw. Absolutely, I completely agree. We talked about it with the cornerbacks and having players that just seemed to check out and weren't willing to make tackles. And it's exactly the same here. If you're not willing to run every route hard, um, block hard, even when you're on the backside of plays as a tight end, then you're kind of, you're, you're, you're dragging your team down in so many ways because not only are you giving away that the ball's not going to you, that the ball's not coming to your side, but you're also just showing such a terrible impression to fans, which is only going to turn fans against the team, which is only going to make it harder in the stadium. If, if, fans are seeing 
players not giving in the effort. And if he's not putting in the effort, there's going to be other players that feel the same way. So it's a real big problem if that's what teams are seeing on tape. And as we said with the cornerbacks, I would completely cross a guy off my list I saw that from. And I saw it in spurts, but I haven't looked deep enough to see if it was a repeated pattern. What I did see was a guy very talented when he made the plays, but there was too often that he wasn't mentally checked into the play, which is a massive concern for anybody looking to draft these guys. So I've just flicked through um, Simon Carroll's mock draft on the site, and he has four tight ends going on day two, which is Troutman, Komet, Hopkins and Bryant, Bryson Hopkins and Hunter Bryant. So they're his four that are going. And then he has another two tight ends, at least going in the fourth round, which include Albert O. And he has, he has, who does he have taking Albert O? I will just flick down to that. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars. So again, the team that he picks is, is kind of irrelevant, but that kind of gives you a, a, an area where he Sai sees him being taken and if you think that you can get the right attitude out of him and turn him into a talented player and teach him to run a root tree it's worth a gamble at that stage I I would push later but I can see why teams would take that gamble if they think he's got the raw traits for sure so what I want to throw back now is I want to ask you guys uh, is there anyone else that kind of stands out to you because we're now definitely into the day three region of what we're talking about are there any players that stand out to you on day three that you think could be a really valuable contributor to a team, whether it's this year or in the next couple of years? Yeah, um, I've got a couple of names that definitely um, stand out for me. Uh, the first one I'll go to is Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati, who's another one of these unconventional sized um, tight ends who might be essentially a fullback on many people's boards. Um, he's 6'2", 240. So not, not not conventional, as I say, but he's so polished and uh, refined in what everything he does that he's going to find a role. He's He's got one of my favourite moments from the entire 2019 season, right back in week one against UCLA. He, there's an interception thrown by Cincinnati and uh, DeGuara from the other side of the field, from way behind the play, chases down the cornerback who's 50 pounds lighter than him and makes an inter- a touchdown pick six save and tackle off that interception. And scouts are just going to fall in love with that when they see that effort. That's the kind of guy he is. But on top of just that effort, he's just technically well-polished in everything he does. Um, and I think, he's he, although he's smaller, he's got the desired burst in his game to be a useful to be a useful guy in the passing game as well. He will get open every now and then. And you're not going to find anyone tougher when it comes to running after the catch with like a full back kind of mentality once he's got the ball in his hands. So I think he's got some limitations that will keep him to day three, but I think he'd be a solid fifth round pickup. And a second name who's almost got some similarities there, another smaller guy and a small school guy. That's, that's uh, I'll go back to those ranks again um, and look at Charlie Tomapeo from Portland state. Another small guy who's six foot three, two forty five. This guy is just the epitome of consistency. He's just tough, polished, and well-rounded. He tested really well at the combine. A lot of people give him a lot of praise for his workout, not necessarily the testing, but just going through the drills. He just looks the part. He's just got such good football IQ and versatility. I think he's going to take on a wide variety of roles and be one of those just useful guys at the back end of a roster who can do blocking, who can do um, a bit of receiving, who'll be a good underneath target. He'll be used in fullback and H-back roles. He'll be a special teams uh, warrior there as well. Absolute mean streak as a blocker, and he'll be a lead man in the round game doing that. And he does some phenomenal work after the catch as a receiver. He's not an athlete or not a great athlete, but he's an absolute truck once he gets going. Delivers such a mean stiff arm and is going to give you everything right from the end to the end of every play. The physical measurables are holding back. Again, I think we're talking about maybe sixth round. He'll He'll be in the last few rounds. He was hurt a little bit by having a bit of an anonymous Super uh, Senior Bowl week. Didn't really, I didn't really stand out there, which is a shame. But I just see a reliable role player, and it's easy to envision him becoming a, a useful contributor that many people won't kind of notice is what he's doing. But he'll be, he'll be well known by his teammates. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I know uh, 
one of the girls is on the Portland State volleyball squad and they love Charlie T. Like everyone there loves him. Everyone at the uni loves him. Um, I've actually been to see Portland State play. They play in the soccer stadium in Portland. Fantastic group of fans. Like the student section was absolutely brilliant. Um, so I'm actually kind of pulling for him. I'm quite looking forward to seeing where he goes because, yeah, he he's really well liked on that campus, and I think he's he's a really really good guy who, as you say, could have some NFL success. I mean, for me, I I think Colby Parkinson. I mentioned him earlier how he's sort of fallen down. He was a a name a lot of people were quite high on going into this year and expected him to to be that almost that number one guy in the class coming out. And he's got ability. He's got that all round, some of that all round ability that's lacking higher up in the class. He can be a, a decent blocker. He's got some, some of the traits to be a good blocker. He needs to add a bit of power to his game. I think in, in the run game, especially sort of blocking vertically, it can be, you know, he can be exposed a little bit, but he's, he's, he's a developmental guy. He's going to come later on in the draft. Some of his route running work isn't fantastic either, and he can struggle in press coverage. I wouldn't have him as my number one read, as happened a little bit this year. We saw when when KJ Costello went down injured for Stanford, the backups came in, and often Parkinson was that security blanket first read, and they were looking for him, and his route hadn't quite developed on time. You know, he was still, he was a little bit behind. He was too tightly covered, and then the quarterback had to end up throwing the ball away because. They're not they're backup quarterbacks. They're young guys. They weren't taught to move on to their second read yet at Stanford. And so, you know, I think he's got a real load of potential because he comes from that David Shaw system. And we know the guys that, that David Shaw coaches are so good. They're so well coached. They're so ready for the pros that you know, the base is there for him to succeed at the NFL level. But there's just some sort of work to do, some polishing work to do to get him back to his very best. And I think he projects as a future tight end too. If and it's like all these guys in the sixth, seventh round, if they get good coaching, they land with a good position coach that they connect with, then they can make the best of it and they can be big contributors. But if they don't, it's going to be a real struggle for some of these guys. Yeah, it's such a hard group to call at the back end because there's just so much unknown about how these guys are going to translate and. I just want to pick out three names, but first I just want to, you mentioned Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati. Bex, I just want to point out that, uh, as always, Ollie Hodgkinson, we're pointing out his interviews because he does such a great job with them. He interviewed him and it is a fantastic read and it really shows the measure of a guy who just wanted to contribute how he could for Cincinnati. And we talked the other night about how important it is for people to be able to get on special teams and make an impact there. When we were talking about the likes of Tanner Muse and people like that, well, he's exactly the same. He's a player who got to spend a lot of time in on special teams. And really that is something that teams will love because somebody who, who just wants to get stuck into special teams is an absolute gem in, on day three for these guys because they can find a way to keep them on the roster through the first couple of years as a, as a contributor and teach them more about the team, more about the playbook, get them more involved over the course of those first couple of seasons. So I'd definitely recommend checking out that interview. It's one of my favourites that Ollie has done, I have to say. Now, the other names I just wanted to point out were someone that Sai is very high on, but again, seems to polarise. And I know you have him with a late grade, Bex, but Jared Pinkney out of Vanderbilt. Now, I've pointed out a few Vanderbilt guys in, in the last week because I really like the talent that these guys offer. but with Pinkney, what it is, and, and Sai sees it the same way, is you, you just look at him and he, he can do a bit of everything quite well. The problem is he's not brilliant at anything. So he's one of those jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type guys who's not going to blow you away with anything he does, but has the ability to develop with a team into a really solid contributor. Now, Sai has him pegged, had him pegged as a potential third-round pick. He had him going in the fourth round of his mock draft. I worry that that might be a little bit on the high side and he's perhaps better as a late round four into round five kind of pick but he's definitely got a lot of talent and if teams can just tidy him up around the edges get him a bit better in and out of his breaks and things like that he could be a really valuable contributor I know you're really low on him Beck so I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on him yeah the the issue with Pinkney is I mean that's all well and good but the fact is, the, the guy looks like he's running through wet cement half the time. I mean, he's just, 
he's not an athlete at all. And we talk about value when it comes to the tight end position. You're looking for your receivers first, your guys who can um, who can be assets in the passing game. And he's just so limited in his movement. He has no burst whatsoever. He's one of the slower guys. He, he, he ran slower than a lot of the offensive linemen at the combine. And that's, that shows up on film. He's, it's going to limit him. He's got a, his, his main aspect in terms of what he's going to offer in the pros is going to be a blocker. And even then he's a bit inconsistent in how he executes there. I just, I just don't see anything in his game that you're going to see much value in that you couldn't pick up in a, off a guy off the street free agent or even an undrafted guy. Cause all, all I'm really seeing is a guy who's got a, good physicalities he's got good strength in him and and that's 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 all right but I just don't see anything in his game that you're going to bang the table for or, or anything like that he's not going to be a any you may be able to manufacture some touches but he's not going to get open on his own and I just don't see any value in him to be honest personally um he had one of the poorer senior bowls where he had an opportunity to show what he could do couldn't do it didn't do much there where his limitations showed up again out with the Vanderbilt system and yeah I just I just cannot see anything valuable in him other than he'll be a back if he makes a roster he'll be a back end as a as a blocker and maybe maybe he'll come in and make the occasional play in the passing game but I don't see much value in him okay that's very interesting yeah like I say must not I never see him great at anything but I agree with you that could be a, like his speed is a, is a problem he is on the real low end of speed and if you are looking for a guy to go out and make plays, he is going to struggle unless teams can find something in the way that he does stuff to develop that. But speed is speed. It's very hard to up that with coaching. It would just be about make, getting him to use any smarts that he has to create space that he can't create through that speed. So I just want to end with a couple of interesting names to watch out for. Just a couple stood out to me here. Cheyenne O'Grady out of Arkansas. I suffer watching Arkansas. I, I arbitrarily picked them as my college team, and it turns out to be one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, it is it is a nightmare every every single week watching them, it feels like. Um, the They find a way to shoot themselves in the foot in most spectacular manners that usually end up being highlighted on Twitter two days later and just make me shake my head in, in disgust at the whole situation. But that's an interesting name, just for his name alone. Um, and my favourite of them all, Joey Magnifico out of Memphis. Um, again, uh, we're talking right at the back end of the draft here, but Sai has a really interesting comparison for this guy that stood out to me, and that is George Kittle. Now, <laughs> that is a big, big shoes to fill. That's bold. <laughs> yeah, it's, obviously it's going to be... Um, it's it, it, it's it's going to be very unlikely that he does it, but then you could argue that Kittle came relatively out of nowhere to become what he is. So it, it's good to aim high with these projections and stuff, and it just gives you an idea of the kind of physicality that he possesses because he used to be a linebacker, and he is a guy that does fight, does put in a lot of effort, but he's going to need a lot of work. And let's be honest you're just interested in him for the name more than anything. Um, if you got anything to add on him, Bex or Alex, I, I don't think there's a huge amount to say about him. He's, he's solid without being great, but yeah. do you, do you see anything? I've watched him. I've got, I've, I've got him just as a sort of free agent grade, but someone of definite interest. I mean, he's, he's about six, three, two is where I've, um, he might have test uh, measured in higher than that since I've made my notes, but um He's another one of those guys who will have a sort of H-back type role. You mentioned his physicality. He'll, if he makes a roster, that's where he's going to make his make his money there. But I kind of thought he looked pretty decent when it comes to his footwork that helped him in and out of breaks. I thought I thought he had great hands. He's been he's not been the most productive, but he shows up in key spots whenever he is targeted. Um, I think there's. I think there's enough there to maybe hang on to make a make a brief career for himself. He's never gonna he's never gonna have a, a a big role, but yeah, this is a former walk on as well. So you know you know he's got the work ethic there. So I, I think I think he's an interesting name. If he if he gets picked up in the seventh, it wouldn't surprise. Memphis actually have a few guys like that. They've got a center, um, who's who could be a seventh round pick and a couple other couple other players. That's an interesting roster. Memphis all round and uh, Magnifico could. Could uh, could be a late addition for sure. Yeah, 
they were a team that impressed us here. Do you have anything to add on any of these guys, Alex, before we get out of here? No, I mean, I have one one more name to mention, and it's a guy who's kind of flying under the radar. Who ha- He's flown under the radar his whole college career, and it's one of these guys where one of the things I like to look at in these late-round picks are guys that come from recruiting hotbeds. So you look at Florida, Georgia, Texas, California, Louisiana, Alabama, these places that produce incredible college and NFL players and I'd like to look at sort of four and five star guys that have flown under the radar a bit in college and one of those is Stephen Sullivan so coming out in the 2016 recruiting class he was a four star wide receiver uh, number seven player in Louisiana number 21 receiver in the class so that's that's a pretty decent they're pretty decent recruiting numbers coming out in a in a single recruiting class and he sort of flew under the radar quite a lot at LSU he didn't really play he only has sort of 45 to 50 career receptions. Only converted to tight end this past season. Obviously found himself number two on the depth chart behind Thaddeus Moss. It has, has some okay blocking skills. Like his blocking skills was were a bit of a surprise to me. They were much better on tape than... I thought they were going to be. You know, he still he has a lot to work on with his route running and with some of the other things. But he's a he's a good athlete and he's got that sort of blue chip background of being a four star recruit coming out of high school and and getting those numbers those high four star and five star grades is really really tough. You have to be a really good athlete to do that coming out because a lot of these kids coming out in high school have they don't know necessarily the nuances of the game so they're really being judged a lot of the time on their athletic ability and you know these guys that sort of fly under the radar a little bit so many mouths to feed at LSU the last few years and a lot I just like some of the traits and things he's got everyone speaks really highly of him he's another high character guy and some of the LSU fans I was talking to when I was in New Orleans and and in Baton Rouge um, earlier this year love him they love this kid they wanted him to get more play time they wish he could have gone back for another year he exhausted his eligibility this year and I I think he could he's another name to watch out for if your team drafts him as a as a guy that could make the roster and then from there as a converted wide receiver can make splash plays you know he's he's a good athlete he's got good yard after the catch ability you know he can he can run with the ball. If you get the ball in his hands, he can he can move and he can run with it. He can become one of these sort of chess piece weapons who can also do a bit of blocking. And he might be the guy that springs your speedy wide receiver on an end around because he can seal off that seal off a block for two seconds. He's not going to get completely run over by his guy. And yeah, it, that can stick. That can help you stick on an NFL roster, especially if you can translate it to special teams as well. And, you know, learn the, some of the nuances of the game, some of the nuances of the position in your first couple of years. And by sort of year three, if you're a good special teams contributor who suddenly learnt the role, you can have a breakout in your second and third year. And, you know, Stephen Sullivan, he might be one of those guys. He really, he really might. Yeah, definitely. It's been a tough situation for him. Sai has him pegged to someone that could be an interesting um, contributor in the red zone, which will be interesting to see. That's always valuable for teams to have a guy that can contribute in the red zone. He needs to be able to do more than that, obviously. But if his blocking's up to scratch, then you're right. There'll be the opportunities for him to get on the field. Right. Well, I just want to say thank you ever so much, guys. That was a position I wasn't sure how... Um, much we'd have to say, how how, in, how interested everyone would be in these guys, but you've given some great information there about a group of players that probably aren't that widely known, and it really is great. And unfortunately, this is the last night you're with us, Bex, before the draft now, so I just want to say thank you ever so much. The information has been absolutely brilliant. I've learned so much about some players that I didn't know anywhere near enough about, thanks to all of the things you have, you have told us. Um, and could you just, before you get out of here, could you just let everybody know where to find you so they can follow all the excellent work that you do? Yeah, thanks. It's, I've enjoyed um, getting involved in these shows as well. It's um, not not something I've done very much of podcasting, but uh, it's, it's been fun to actually verbalise some of the thoughts I put in writing. Um, but yeah, in terms of where to find me, I'm, I'm on Twitter at, at Bex underscore R86. Bex is spelled B-E-X. Um, and... Although I'm not a frequent poster, I'll post up when I've got some new out or if something catches my eye. So that's where to find me there. And then on my articles are all on the touchdown.co.uk. Um, writing mostly about small school prospects during the season. I'll approach on a group of five players as well. And um, I try to 
looking where I can about Power Five and um, all the big name players as well. But in terms of my writing, I concentrate on smaller, lesser known names. Yeah, you do. And it's absolutely valuable because so many of these guys we don't hear anything about all year. And then all of a sudden they have a, a performance at a combine, an interesting interview. And you've given us information on the site that um, allows people to go and find out more about these guys. And between that and the interviews that Ollie does, it really helps shine a light on these guys that are lesser known and deserve to be in the spotlight because they are extremely talented. They just maybe didn't have the breaks in high school to get them into those top colleges. I just also want to say thank you as always to you, Alex. You do a great job producing, but also a brilliant job tonight helping us break down the tight end position. Can you let everyone know where they can find you, please? Yeah, so I'm I'm all over the place. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. My personal account is at byalexchinnery. Um, that comes up on the end reel of this. Um, also, make sure you follow 7-Step Drop, which is the touchdowns home of analytics it's going to be mainly nfl focused for the time being just because of the quality of data available but i've just started work on our my season previews and they're going to be analytics based they're going to paint things in a different light than you've ever seen in terms of a an nfl preview i'm we're looking back at run fits we're looking at route trees run by receivers we're looking at where quarterbacks are throwing the ball and i'm going to go really really in depth to build a good picture of what the 2020 NFL season can be. But the big one I want to push is make sure you follow at the college chaps, which is our college football brand that me, Ollie and George do together. Um, It's a great pod. It's great fun. But next week for the draft, I am going to be bringing back slightly modifying our hit from the college football season of games and gifts. So if you don't know what that is, every Saturday we'll sit down, we'll watch a game, and I will tweet along via the Chaps account, posting gifts about what happens. It's completely random. It's really off the wall. It's quite good fun. This year we're doing it for the draft. So if you want to make follow along with the draft, know who your team picks, but also have a nice laugh while it's going on because you know ten minutes in between picks in the first round it can get a little bit tedious when NFL Network cuts to adverts for the third time between picks. Follow us on there. I'll have something funny out for every single pick, I promise. And it'll be really good fun, really good chance to interact. So yeah, there are all those different places to uh, to follow me there. Absolutely. There's so much serious analysis that's done on draft night. It's nice to have a bit of fun with it as well. So looking forward to that, Alex. I love your games in GIFs. Whether I've seen the game live or I'm watching it on replay, I always check out what, what GIF you put for that for that moment. It always gives me a good chuckle while I'm watching it. And just we'll just lighten the mood on draft night when things can sometimes tend to get a little bit serious when teams start doing things that make 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 fans go a little bit crazy. So make sure you check that out. It'll be a lot of fun. As always, you can find me at BenRoll15 on Twitter and at the Touchdown NFL. Um, tomorrow night, we'll be back with Cy Carroll and uh, one other guest, and we will be breaking down the linebacker position. So be sure to check in for that. Thank you very much for joining us. We cannot express enough how grateful we are for all the support we've received and how great you guys have been coming in each night and listening to us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow night. Thank you very much. Thanks again.